Welcome to Beat the Culture. I'm your host, Grace Walker, and each week we dive a little bit deeper into what's going on in the world and the culture, and we like to analyze it with a biblical perspective, aiming to educate and encourage you to think for yourself, and instead of following the culture, beat it. Beat the Culture. New episodes every Thursday. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to Beat the Culture. I'm super, super excited for today's episode, and I know I say that at the beginning of literally every single episode, but that's just me. I just like, I get really excited about this, and hopefully you guys are excited too, but today I'm actually like even double excited because I'm actually interviewing a friend of mine who has never done a podcast appearance, and she's mentioned to me very outwardly that she's a little nervous but you guys know she has no need to be nervous right so today I have my friend Michaela with me Hello, happy to be here yeah and we're so excited so Michaela and I um plan this quite randomly actually just because we were having a really good conversation um at our church and just the things she had to say really made me think that this is something that needs to be heard by more people. And so I wanted to bring her on today. But so Michaela actually has a really unique career goal. And she actually decided that her age at 19, correct me if I'm wrong, um, to devote her life not only to live for God, but also to live to spread his message and to help others do the same. And not to be your typical missionary, but actually to be a Bible translator, which is something that I you don't hear of very often. Um, but it's really a huge need in our world and one that often goes unnoticed. And after hearing this episode with Michaela, you're going to realize like how true of a need it is and how strange it is that it's not talked about um, very frequently at all. In fact, over 2,500 languages don't have the Bible, which is close to 180 million people who are left Bibleless. And it really just puts into perspective um, how lucky we are because we have the Bible in plenty of different languages here in the United States, different languages, different translations, and there are people who really don't have the word at all. In fact, it's even illegal in over 50 countries. So just taking a step forward and thinking about how we're really blessed that we have the freedom of religion that we do have here. And um, I'm going to be posting a map on Instagram, but Michaela sent me this really fantastic map that just shows a visual of the different areas and the different countries in the U.S. that have been reached um, by the word of God and who have not. But there's a specific area, too, that we were talking about. It's it's the 1040 window. Michaela, do you care to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, the 1040 window is um, an area kind of in... Uh, North Africa, the Middle East, um, it's based on the coordinates, and that's why it's 1040. And it's highly unreached. Um, a lot of the areas in there, it is illegal to have a Bible or to be Christi- Christian. Um, it's There's a lot of persecution there, and so uh, people don't go. And the Christians that are there suffer. And so it's definitely, there's a great need in that area. Right. And what are some of the, the countries that as Americans are pretty familiar with that are in that window that don't have a Bible? Uh, well, it's not specific countries necessarily, but people groups within certain countries. Mm, okay. Um, so there's a lot of people groups in India that are unreached and don't have Bibles and North Africa, like um, Iraq and Iran, um, Sudan, South Sudan. Those are uh, areas that don't have God's wow. word and they're unreached. Yeah, crazy. And it's just what's really interesting to me is prior to my conversation with Michaela, um, 
I mean, I was pretty naive about this subject. I just kind of assumed it's the Bible. It's everywhere because it is everywhere, you know, when we're here in America. But, um, you know, being raised in Southern California and never really leaving the country, it's hard to realize like the depth of the need of Christianity throughout the rest of the world. And so as you start to learn more and hopefully this episode will help you as the audience to learn more. It really is just insane to, to realize how, how blind we are to this need. So, Michaela, how did you find out about the need of Bible translation? Yeah, it was God's providence and sovereignty for sure, because I, like you, was completely unaware of that need. Um, and in my high school years, I was somewhat interested in missions, and but didn't quite know how that would fit in with me and my personality. And I assumed that being a missionary was just going out to the streets of some random country and preaching to strangers. And I didn't feel like that was something I could do. Um, and so I had shared this with a friend once, and um, she's like, well have you considered linguistics, like studying languages, and maybe that can get you out into the world? And I thought, oh, that would be really cool. But I had no idea what it was. And so I ended up meeting up with another friend who set me up with her friend um, who was a who's pursuing to be a Bible translator um, with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Okay, and, great. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. I never met her before. We met at a coffee shop. I didn't know what she looked like. I didn't know anything about her. Um, but I wanted to talk to her about linguistics. I had no idea she was even pursuing Bible translation at the time. Um, And so she was talking about linguistics and how she studied at school for linguistics and how that studying has helped her prepare to be a Bible translator. And I was kind of thrown off by that because I wasn't expecting the conversation to turn in that direction. And so she started talking about the need um, of Bible translation and that there's thousands of languages that don't have a Bible, not even a word of God's word in their language. And... I had never heard this before, and like me, she also learned at a young, or like 19, that there was this need. (laughs) That's a young age, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and so, um, yeah, her passion for the subject caught my attention, and leaving that conversation, I just, I I couldn't think to do anything different than to pursue Bible translation. Wow, yeah, that's crazy how... God works in such mysterious ways. The fact that you talked about it with a friend, then you talked about it with this other girl that you didn't even know. What a leap of faith to go just meet someone you don't have any idea about and to find out about something that's such a major, major need and that you, even after finding out about it, decided that that's something you're passionate about and wanted to move forward with. So after meeting with her, how did you go about um, beginning to pursue this goal? Yeah, well, I really didn't know anything about Bible translation aside from what she had told me. And so I went home and I started kind of researching Wycliffe a little bit. And and later that week, I was cleaning out my bookshelf and came across this book that I'd forgotten that I had. Somebody had given it to me and I had never read it before. And it was on a missionary named Marilyn Laszlo. um, And her story really inspired me and um, blew my mind a little bit. She, at a young age, I think she was 13 or 14, um, felt that God was pushing her, her towards missions. And at that time, she had promised the Lord that she would go to Mexico and be a missionary when she grew up. And so time went on. She graduated high school, went to college, um, ended up in a career as a professor. Um, the book talked about how she had a really nice car and a good career, and she was um, engaged to an awesome guy who loved the Lord. Um, and the Lord kind of pricked her heart and reminded her of that promise that she made 
when she was 13 or 14. Um, and through that, she decided that she needed to go. She needed to go somewhere and translate the Bible. Um, and so she talked to her fiance and said, hey, would you want to do this with me? And he said no. And wow. so she left everything, her job, um, her fiance, her car, her oh family, goodness. everything, and ended no. up going to Papua New Guinea um, to translate the Bible with another lady through, I think it was through Wycliffe. Yeah, it was through Wycliffe. Okay. Um, and so real quick, because we didn't cover this quite yet, but uh, for those of you who don't know, what is what is Wycliffe? Oh, yeah. Wycliffe is a Bible translation organization. So they they send a lot of Bible translators all over the world, and their goal is to get uh, Bibles into the hands of Bibleist people. Mm, okay. So it's Fantastic. A very, it's a big organization, probably the biggest one for Bible translation. Yeah. So... Wow. So th- I th- I cannot get over this. The fact that you had met with that girl at the coffee shop that you never even knew and you went home and you had a book already on your bookshelf about yeah. a missionary who did Bible translation. What are the odds of that? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like there are just so many crazy factors to this story. Like I said, it was God's providence and sovereignty, putting all of this together and opening up doors and opportunities to learn about something that I had never heard about and nobody talks about. Seriously, I cannot get over that. Book was just there for you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so after hearing her story, what did you do then after the story of the girl? Um, her name was Marilyn Laszlo in mm-hmm. the book. What did you do next? Yeah. Um, well, after I finished that book, I was really blown away by her story. And even going to Papua New Guinea and translating the Bible there and, and starting from square one they didn't even have a written language and so she had to start by writing down their language and she had a pen and a piece of paper and all the kids in the tribe were asking her what are you doing with the banana leaf and the stick because they'd never (laughs) seen a pen and a piece of paper and so um just that whole process and eventually the tribe came to know the lord through the bible translation process um not even after it was completed but through that process which was really crazy and so after i read that book um, I started researching a little bit more on Wycliffe, and I came across this conference called Total It Up, which stands for Translation, oh no, Taste of Translation and Linguistics. Oh, you got it. <laughs> I think that was it. <laughs> um, right. And it was like a week before the conference, and I was like, I got to go to this. And somehow it all ended up working out. I went to this conference and learned more about Bible translation. And it was there that I met with a recruiter from Wycliffe who pointed me towards um, the school up in Canada, which is Canada Institute of Linguistics. And she told me, you got to go here. And I looked at her and I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not moving to Canada. Yeah. From, from Southern California to Canada is a big move. (laughs) Yeah. But the Lord really worked on my heart and I went home and I started researching the school and, and I just, I wanted to go. Like as I continued to research it and talk to people, um, I knew that was the next step and the Lord opened up the doors to make that happen, which seemed impossible as it was. And, um, and so I ended up in Canada studying linguistics at, um, the Institute there. Wow. That's just so really just inspiring to hear that one door just opened after the other, like really leading you in this path. And obviously all through the Lord's plan for you. And sometimes I talked about this, um, a couple times in previous episodes, but a lot of times people have really major goals and they like map out a plan to get there and then there's other people who have 
big major goals also, but who really just take it one step at a time. And I feel like you're that one step at a time kind of person, which is which is really cool to hear because sometimes people get overwhelmed by giant plans and just putting that the faith in the Lord that he will make it work for you and taking that one step at a time route is so unique to hear. Yeah, you have to take it one step at a time because this isn't something you really can plan ahead. If it's really the Lord's will to send me out, um, then I can only take one step and... Yeah. And uh-huh. he's made that clear over the years that <laughs> I cannot much. plan because he changes my plans every time. Right. Serious. I can relate to that one. <laughs> but um, so one common thing that I hear from people is like, well, why don't if someone doesn't have a Bible in their language and they want to hear the word, why don't they just learn a different language that the Bible's written in? You know, it's a common, it, you would think it's it's that easy, right? But it's, it's clearly not. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, this is especially huge in certain areas like Central America, where there might be different people groups who speak different languages, but for the most part, everybody has a decent understanding of Spanish or um, something like that, depending on the country. And so a lot of people will say, why can't they just, you know, they have the Spanish Bible, why can't they just read it in Spanish? Um, And this was actually how Wycliffe ended up getting founded was, Um, The founder went to one of those countries and was handing out Spanish Bibles. And one of the people groups who spoke a different language looked at him and said, why would I read a Bible that my God doesn't speak my language in? I'm not going to read a Bible if my God doesn't speak my language. Mm. And, And so that's why he founded Wycliffe. He decided that every people group needs to have God's word in their mother tongue because it is the closest way that he can speak to them. It's like us trying to take a language that we're somewhat fluent in and understanding God's word through that. And we might get glimpses of it and we might understand certain things, but it's different than if somebody were to um, speak to your, your mother in your mother tongue about the gospel. Right. And it's interesting to hear too how that man almost seemed um, reluctant to learn the word of God because it wasn't in his language. While we know that that's not not true, but he almost took it as like an offense, kind of like, Mm -hmm. well, that's offensive. Like why it's obviously he doesn't care about me if it's not even in my language. Right. Right. Um, So that's interesting to hear how that can affect um, someone's kind of perception of what the Bible is, who God is. Um, so another thing that I want to ask, and it's a major cri- uh, question, <laughs> a major question in Christianity is how if someone never get a ch- gets a chance to hear the gospel, can they be saved? And this is a hard topic of discussion, frankly, something that both Michaela and I both are still learning and studying because it's hard to answer. But um, regardless of this answer, it, it's so important to dive into scripture and see why it's important to share the good news. So with that being said, I know Michaela, you know, are really, really good at your Bible. So what are some great verses for this? And why is it so important to share God's written word to those who haven't had a chance to hear it? Yeah, well, the Bible does talk about how um, God is, eternity is written on the hearts of man. So they know that God exists and they're reluctant to believe that or they may not know specifically how that works Um, and because of that it is our job as Christians to um, preach the gospel so that they can come to know the Lord because if they don't hear the gospel then they can't be saved Um, so Romans 10 is a really good verse for that it's Romans 10 14 how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him who of whom they have not heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching 
Wow. And mm -hmm. that's pretty clear in there that they can't believe if they can't hear and they can't hear if nobody goes and tells them. Yeah, that is just such a good verse to um, allude to the idea of missionary work being so important and things of that nature. But on the flip side of the argument too, for those who haven't had a chance to hear the word, is there any sort of um, scripture that kind of points in the direction of, well, they may still know who God is, but not know the his story, things like that. And in the Bible, do we see anything um, of that nature? Yeah, um, both Ecclesiastes and Romans allude to that. Ecclesiastes says that eternity is written on man's heart. Um, so they know that there is a God, that there is an eternity. And, and Romans 1 um, says for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine natures, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So in one sense, um, people have what they call common revelation. They know by the creation and the things around them that God exists, and they're reluctant to believe that because of their sins. Um, however, they need the specific revelation to be saved. And so there's lots of stories of, of people going into different tribes in Papua New Guinea where they know that a God exists and they admit to the missionaries coming that they don't know who that God is. And they're waiting for them to bring that good news and um, that specific revelation of who Jesus Christ is and his gospel. Right. And it's such a thing I feel like we see this everywhere, but it's it's just a thing for people for humanity to just have kind of that hope they might not completely understand but they have a hope that there's something out there there's something greater than them and you see that because there are so many even besides christians just religions in the world people who are spiritual people who have different beliefs they all have a, a commonality that they want something they hope for something so being able to spread the lord's message is so important because there are some people who are just lost, who they're looking for something, but they don't necessarily know how to find it. And that's where missionary work is just so relevant. And like we mentioned earlier, we're both still learning. And so is everybody who is a Christian. We're just constantly learning because we're never going to understand fully. But it is so important to just to realize where whether or not someone can be saved without hearing the word of God. That's not the big debate here. The big debate here that we're trying to, to talk about is that Everybody should have a chance to hear the word of God, to read the word of God, and to be able to help them in that is just such a major need that needs to be more aware. People need to be more aware of. And so while it is such a major need, it's very obvious that very few people tend to go in that direction. Um, but there's one person who we actually, Michaela and I had a discussion about while we were at college group that kind of led us to doing this podcast, but... Um, he actually went to your school, which is the uh, Canada Institute of Linguistics or CANL, <laughs> and his name was John Chow. And his story made headlines about two years ago and hit really close to home for you, Michaela, because he was an alumni of your college. And I just want to talk a little bit briefly about John Chow's story. He's another Bible translator um, because it's just so important to hear about some of the things that these people are doing to try to get the word of God to unreached people groups. So, Michaela, do you want to tell us a little bit about him and his story? Yeah, John Chow, I, I never met him, but he was at my school prior to me coming. And so a lot of uh, my fellow students uh, knew him. And so he, at one point in his life, decided that he wanted to go to the North Sentinelese people, which is an island in the Adaman Islands, um, kind of off of India. 
and this particular people group has never been contacted by the outside world. In fact, it's illegal to go there because they're so dangerous, and every person who has attempted contact has gotten killed um, by this people group. Now it's illegal everywhere, or is it just illegal in India? It's um, The government has made it illegal to go to this this people group. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because lots of people historically have tried. Right. Um, whether they're missionaries or whether they're traders or, or different things, they've tried. Um, and none of them have come with success. Mm-hmm. So uh, John Shaw had his heart set on these people and he prepared and studied in every way imaginable. He took Bible translation courses at my school, but he also um, studied in the medical field so he would know how to... Um, survive survive (laughs) and he also just he prepared knowing god's word and um, practical uh, survival skills all of those things and he went to this people group about two years ago a little over two years ago um and they killed him and um it's it was a crazy crazy week when we heard about this um knowing that his heart was for them and he was assuming the risks he was counting the cost um and he knew that he may leave and never come back, but um, he couldn't not go because that is where the Lord had called him to go. Right. And so what John Chow did is he just, he spent, I listened to a podcast that you actually sent me recently about this, and he spent years just doing all this study and preparing himself for um, the practicality of living on an island without any resources that you're used to having, you know, in regular society. So he did all those health classes, those medical things, whatever the the sort, (laughs) um, classes for survival, and then classes obviously for Bible translation to bring the word to them. And so um, just to give a little bit of a, a description of what he did is he, when he was finally set out, he went to the island and he was um unfortunately he was shot and killed by bow and arrow is that correct yeah yeah that's what happened wow and it's just it was really disheartening to hear that someone who had spent their whole life hoping to to help these people just he never really got the chance but it did still happen to have a lasting impact maybe not the impact he had hoped for but still a great impact to the world and so what do you want to describe a little bit of the impact that he did make Yeah, I think that that is still getting sorted out. Um, I know initially when this happened that week, my school was was quiet. We went into class and and everybody was quiet because we knew what had happened. Um, And even in that, though, we all felt um, encouraged to do what he did. Um, And although he wasn't able to reach that people group, it still made a lasting impact. Um, I think often of Jim Elliott and his story in Ecuador, where he was martyred for his faith by the people there, and and his wife went in later um, to that same people group and ministered to them, and they ended up getting saved. And so, even though we can't see how the how God has used that uh, situation, we know that He's sovereign, and we know that He is going to use it to either encourage other believers to go. Um, lots of people are now aware of the North Sentinelese and they're praying for them. Lots of people are more aware of missions and Bible translation and they're being encouraged to pursue that as well. Right. So it mm. still had a huge impact. Yeah. Um, even, even though we didn't reach them. Yeah, exactly. The impact that he had hoped to make wasn't made. Unfortunately, he couldn't reach those people. He was killed before he had the chance. But even like the power of prayer and all of the people that he reached 
through his story, through the news articles, through the documentaries, through the podcasts, whatever, people are aware now of this need. They're aware of what happened. They're aware of the people, the North Sentinelese, that they may have not even known existed. So it's still just so encouraging to hear someone like his story because it was just so important to to God's plan, regardless of the outcome. And obviously it affected you too. And so did his story in any way, shape, or form impact your aspirations for being a Bible translator in the future? Yeah, I think along with my classmates, even though I didn't know him, um, I was still impacted because I, I recognized that he counted the cost, that he knew that Christ was greatest and he wanted these people to know him and was willing to give up everything in his life for that. Um, and so I think just in this pursuit, processing through that myself, um, regardless of where the Lord takes me, um, that I want to be willing to even give my life for him if it comes to that. And and that is just so encouraging because as it's just, it's honestly almost unfathomable, unfathomable to, to imagine just giving up your entire life to live for Christ, but having people like you, people like John Chow, people like, who was the girl you read about again? Marilyn Laszlo. Marilyn Laszlo. Like all these people who are willing to, to put their life on the line, put their, whether it be literally put their life on the line and put themselves in a dangerous situation or even just put their their life, their sense of normalcy on the line um, to do this. It's just so, so encouraging. And I just am so grateful that I have you here to talk about it more. Um, now, a question that I have is, why would someone choose Bible translation over just being a missionary and spreading the gospel through teaching, which is super important, by the way. I'm not trying to talk down on missionaries at all. They are so, 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 we're so grateful for them. However, um, there is a bit of a difference between being a Bible translator and being a, um, a missionary in itself. So why would someone choose one over the other? Yeah, I don't know how much of a difference necessarily there is, but there is a different focus um, sometimes. So a lot of missionaries go to places that already have Bibles, and so obviously that's not going to be a priority. Um, but when it comes to reaching unreached people groups who are Bibleless, um, I think the pr- prioritizing Bible translation is crucial because we want to leave that group with something that is tangible and God's word. Um, so that if something were to happen to the missionaries or if they had to leave, um, they would still be able to continue on and learn about Christ and build a church. And so even in Bible translation, um, the goal is not to just get a Bible in the language, but to church plant and discipleship and um, to encourage the believers there to um, continue on and to take part in the translation and to become pastors and teachers and and all of these things are crucial. Um, you of can, course. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can even look at Americans here. We've got Bibles on our shelves, and a lot of us don't know them very well, but we have access to them. And so in the same way, going to these people groups and translating the Bible, yes, but also knowing or teaching them how to read their Bibles and how to understand them and how to have church and discipleship and fellowship. And um, so all of those things do come together. It's just a matter of uh, prioritizing depending on the group that you're going to right so so the main goal for both a missionary and a bible translator and like you said they might be the same um is just to leave that lasting impact and and create a self-sustaining community of christians who are left with the word of god and not just left um 
alone after after being reached for the first time. Yeah, for sure. Right. So tell me a little bit about you specifically. How are you planning to do this? What are your goals and your plans for Bible translation? Any specific area you want to go? Any language you, you want to learn? Anything like that? That is a great question. And like we talked about earlier, it is really a step-by-step process mm-hmm. because I have attempted to make plans and those have always been changed and the Lord has opened and closed doors. And, and so it's good to be able to take one step at a time and be dependent on him in that. Um, so I so I went to community college and then I ended up transferring up to that school in Canada, CanIL. And um, there I dove into linguistics. And the goal in diving into linguistics and translation is being able to translate well and accurately so that we don't um, um, make a mistake in translating the word of God, that it's accurate and it's his word. Because it's we're not just translating a book or a song, but God's word. And so it's important to be able to do that well. And so um, I'm pursuing education in that and knowledge and um, wanting to be the best that I can um, with that and trust in the Lord with the results, but um, still preparing as much as I can, like John Chow did. Um, right. And so as for places you want to go, you don't have a specific one. It's more just waiting for that door to open and taking any opportunity you can, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a specific place. I, I want to go where the Lord um, has me go. And because it's a step-by-step process, I'm confident that he's going to reveal that to me, whether that's even going overseas or staying here, um, whatever it is, I want to hold that future with my hands open. Right. And I love how the main goal here is just we as Christians, we want everyone to know the word of God. So I love how you're saying, I don't care where I go as long as I am able to help someone know the Lord, right? That's the main, main purpose Mm -hmm. here for you, which is just, ah, I know I've said this like 20 times in this episode, but it's just so encouraging (laughs) because it is. And so just to kind of tie this up at the end, I want to give some practical practical takeaways for the audience. Um, So what are some practical takeaways that you think you can give them? I think one big thing is just knowing that there is a need for Bible translation. Mm -hmm. That was new information to me. I learned that when I was 19. And same with my friend that told me about it. She also learned that when she was 19. And I think that this should be something that is um, more well known and that people should be encouraged to um, even pursue it. Yeah, of course. I think that honestly that's a practical takeaway on its own just realizing the importance of the need and just spreading awareness of the need whether that be you just bring it up in a conversation and you can help one other person to know the importance of the need maybe it's sharing this podcast episode to help get the word out there and that is not a plug for my podcast I promise (laughs) it's just to to really help spread awareness um whether it be sharing something on social media or anything anything like that that may be just in your eyes, it's a really easy way, but it's truly going to have a lasting impact for for the more people who know the need. Hopefully, it'll reach someone who can help um, satisfy the need as well. Um, so what else is another practical takeaway besides just realizing the importance and sharing it? Another huge thing is to take advantage of the resources that we do have here in um, in the States. Uh, we have so many English translations and we've got commentaries and resources to help us understand the Bible And this is something I'm even convicted of regularly, that there are people out there that are waiting for somebody to come and translate the Bible for them. Well, I have many on my dresser that I hadn't touched in a couple of days. And Mm. um, and so taking advantage of that and studying God's word and knowing that it's a privilege and a gift to even have God's word um, 
That right. would be a huge one. Yeah, that, that hits close to home, honestly. I, I know I'm guilty of of going a few days without reading my Bible. Or maybe I do read my Bible, but there's a commentary on it that I could read and understand even more. And just, we just totally take it for granted here. And so absolutely that, that hits close to home, I'm sure, for many of us. So being able to take advantage of those tools and and really get to know the word of God because who knows when that those opportunities and and tools could be taken away from us you know like we're very lucky to have this freedom now and we should be using it to our advantage and um what about those so obviously it'd be great if you can be a if you could be a missionary if you decide that after listening to this or after learning about it somewhere else that maybe that's your calling but also we've got to be logical and know that not everybody is called to be a missionary so if you can't be a missionary what's another way to help those missionaries out yeah, prayer is the biggest thing. Um, praying for missionaries and like the first takeaway, um, knowing that this is a need and, and coming before the Lord with that need and asking him um, to send people. Um, also, um, being able to send. So if you can't go, um, but you can financially support one, that's great. There's lots of organizations out there, Wycliffe being one of them, Pioneer Bible Translators, Ethnos 360. Those are all great organizations that prioritize Bible translation um, and have missionaries even listed on their website that you can read about and pray for um, and support even. And so those are um, some ways that you can still be involved even if if the Lord doesn't call you to go, which is fine. Yeah, that's great. I love that. That whole, if you can't go, you can send is just so, uh, it hits close to home again. (laughs) Just shows like we can be helping in so many more ways than we could have even imagined. And so being enlightened to the opportunities to help, whether that be going on a mission, helping provide for a missionary, praying for a missionary, it's just it makes you really realize that there's so much more you can do as a Christian besides just just sitting there and not making an impact. And there's such a need for it as well. But we're so thankful that you were able to come on the show today, Michaela. I hope that you had fun and that those nerves kind of got out of the system as we started talking. And I, I know that this is just going to be such a beneficial episode to the audience and getting the message out there. Please, you guys, send your prayers to Michaela as she goes on her journey and she just takes one step at a time into helping the world of Bible translation, helping um, others in this world to hear the word of God. And we look forward to speaking to you guys next week here on Beat the Culture. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Beat the Culture. I'm your host, Grace Walker, and make sure to check out our Instagram at Beat the Culture. And make sure to check out our website too, beatthaculture.com, for more information on what our brand is, what we're doing, new blog posts, and updates. See you guys again next week on Beat the Culture.